Hi, Govanen, Melunin, and thanks so much for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter, a podcast where my sister and I use Tolkien's books to explain some things that the Lord of the Rings movies didn't make totally clear. I'm Leah, your nerdy sister, and I read the books so you don't have to. She's Audrey, your dorky sister, and she's watched the movies more times than Peter Jackson. We're going to jump right back into the action, discussing the One Ring's tiny ring brain and more of the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring. On with the show! Do we have any other uh, cleanup to do from the last episode? Just a little bit, because I I misspoke when we talk about when we talked about whether the ring has a tiny sentient ring brain oh. and and why it um, why it left Isildur or why it left Gollum. Yeah. Then when I read the next part of the book to prepare for this recording, there was just literally my question answered. <laughs> okay, so what did it say? Um, it's when Gandalf is talking to Frodo about the ring after Bilbo's birthday party. Yes. Uh, and he, they, <laughs> this is basically when all of the prologue stuff gets told in the book. Like Gandalf just tells the entire prologue of Fellowship of the Ring, the movie, to Frodo at this point. Like, the entire speech that Galadriel gives Pretty much. is straight out of the book. It's it's definitely not um, verbatim, but uh-huh. it tells the same story of here, Sauron made these rings, and there was a battle, then there was yeah. Isildur cutting his finger off, and there was Gollum. Like, he goes through the whole history of the ring. Right. So he, he talks about when, why the ring left Gollum. There was more than one power at work, Frodo. The ring was trying to get back to its master. It had slipped from Isildur's hand and betrayed him. Then when chance came, it caught poor Deagle and he was murdered. And after that, Gollum, and it had devoured him. It could make no further use of him. He was too small and mean. And as long as it stayed with him, he would never leave his deep pool again. So now, when its master was awake once more and sending out his dark thought from Mirkwood, it abandoned Gollum. So basically, it did make a semi-conscious choice to leave Gollum specifically because he was useless underneath the Misty Mountains. It sounds like Sauron's spirit was making the choice through the ring. Um, and I'm also wondering, like, what does it mean when, like, what does it mean for the ring to return to its master when its master has no physical form? It essentially means it will take control of and manipulate someone to get it to get someone to put it on and bring it to Mordor so Sauron can have it back. But that's what I'm saying is what is Sauron now that he's not a physical being? Is he that eye? Is he the tower? Is he That's the eye is really a stylistic choice that the movies made. Um okay. he's he's def- he's never described as just being a flaming eyeball okay. in the books. <laughs> Uh, so I prefer to think of him as just like a shadowy shape, vaguely man-shaped. And it's like once it's reunited with this shadowy shape, then it there will be a more physical form. Basically, like... I think that it would re-embody him okay. when they got back together because so much of Sauron is in the ring mm-hmm. that he wouldn't be able to take physical form without it. Right. So he's just kind of like a ghost. Pretty much. He's just like a pointy, shadowy, he's just mean a pointy ghost. Shape. <laughs> Those famously pointy ghosts. (laughs) Okay, makes sense. And the last... As as much sense as it can make in the context of this story. It's all magic. (laughs) (laughs) And that kind of alluded to the other thing that I wanted to correct myself on from last time. Gandalf says there was more than one power at work. Mm -hmm. So the next part, the very next part of what he says uh, answers, or rather 
raises a discussion about what we said about whether Bilbo was fated to find the ring. Whether we have free will. This is the answer right yeah. here, finally, guys. Finally, we heard it this. here first. Religion no longer necessary. <laughs> we got it from this one paragraph in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Behind that, that being Bilbo finding the ring, there was something else at work beyond any design of the ring maker. I can put it no plainer than by saying that Bilbo was meant to find the ring and not by its maker, in which case you were also meant to have it. And that may be an encouraging thought. Mm. And then Frodo is very funny and he says, it is is not <laughs> yeah uh you you did kind of mention that though that it, it's more like divine intervention yes it has a lot more backing yeah. in book canon than i thought it did yeah. i thought i was i was being really slick <laughs> just giving me answers to things that aren't real <laughs> so uh Genoff and frodo seem like they had not seen each other for quite a long time um it doesn't really like the movie doesn't depict how long their relationship is or like when was the last time that they saw each other so mm -hmm. what's that so about? how long has it been since they saw each other yeah no concrete information no information okay. uh, all that we know from the books is that gandalf visited bilbo frequently between the end of the quest for erebor and bilbo's 111th birthday party okay and we know that frodo who is 33 at the time of the birthday party, knows Gandalf well enough to consider him a good friend. Oh my god, an 18-year-old played a 33-year-old man. That's <laughs> ridiculous. That's that's something else that you asked me later about yeah. uh, how Hobbits age compared time to humans. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Um, but Hobbits do reach their age of maturity at 33, so like he's considered an adult okay. when he turns 33. So having a human 18-year-old playing a 33-year-old hobbit is perfect. So you're saying hobbits live longer than humans? Uh, sort of. They kind of just take longer to mature. Okay. Hobbits live to be about 90 or 100. So like Frodo's still playing video games in his mom's basement as mm -hmm. so a 33-year-old finally gets out into the world. Okay. <laughs> How dare you malign Frodo? <laughs> I would never. You know that I've always been in love with Frodo Baggins. That's very true. So, so we can assume that Gandalf has been in the Shire at least a couple times in the last like 30 years. Okay. Gotcha. So then Gandalf goes around uh, after he and Frodo depart from one another. Gandalf goes to visit Bilbo and he is kind of like poking around Bilbo's stuff like mm -hmm. before he really makes himself known yeah. to Bilbo, <laughs> which is the thing he does a lot. And he's such a creep. He's just a sneaky scamp. <laughs> so he looks really concerned while he sees all of the maps. And I'm wondering why he looks worried. I personally think that it's less him being concerned and more of like a little treat for oh, the movie audience gotcha like if you if you were maybe just going to see lord of the rings and you'd never read any of tolkien's books mm -hmm. you'd be like oh spooky maps but if you've read the books you're like oh i remember that yeah i see like that stuff happened i also read the hobbit <laughs> this song is about me this song is about me i'm a big nerd all right uh so bilbo was very perturbed at the he mentions the Sackville Bagginses. <laughs> and it's like such a thing in the beginning of the movie, but it's like clearly not that important. But obviously, I want to know about it is why do his distant relatives feel so entitled to all of Bilbo's shit? <laughs> Audrey, watch your language, please. <laughs> the, the Sackville Bagginses are a branch of Bilbo's cousins. Lobelia, Sackville Baggins, in particular, is known in the Shire for being very greedy. Mm -hmm. When when Bilbo's talking to Gandalf, 
uh, in the same conversation, and he he says that Frodo's not some blockheaded brace girdle from Hard Bottle. That is more than likely a subtle dig at Lobelia because before she married Otho Sackville Baggins, she was Lobelia Bracegirdle from Hardbottle. Ah, so Bilbo's okay. shady. Yeah. <laughs> I'm some shade. So she has always been jealous of Bag End because it's one of the nicest hobbit holes. It's it's very big. She thinks that it's too big for him to be in there just by himself. And then later when Frodo comes in, just with two people because it is just like a huge it's home. Like it's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, her husband Otho is Bilbo's next of kin. So she is furious when Bilbo names Frodo his heir mm. because it means that she will never live there. Okay. When <laughs> I'm sorry, did you were you saying that that's his son? Bilbo's son is no, 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 no. Um, Otho Sackville Baggins is a cousin. Okay, I don't, I'm not sure if they're first cousins, I doubt it because <laughs> hobbits. So have he would be the next to inherit it were it not for the fact that Bilbo is like, actually, no, exactly, Frodo's gonna get it. Yes, because Bilbo didn't have any kids, yeah, so it would have gone to okay. like the next cousin. So and I was then... like, I didn't think that he was a dad, so <laughs> no, no, he was he was Frodo's uncle dad, He's not fit to raise children. I want to tell a little funny. Okay. story yeah. that when Bilbo left the Shire, he left a bunch of specific gifts for his friends and family for Frodo to distribute after his birthday party. <laughs> and most of them were given with the express purpose of throwing shade at the recipient, <laughs> like a stationary set for someone who never answered letters and a bookcase for a guy who had borrowed a bunch of Bilbo's books and never gave them nice. back. So fast. <laughs> yes. So there's a note that he leaves for Lobelia Sackville Baggins as a present on a case of silver spoons. Bilbo believed that she had acquired a good many of his spoons while he was away on his former journey. Lobelia knew that quite well. When she arrived later in the day, she took the point at once, but she also took the spoons. <laughs> oh. So she actually does live in Bag End during the War of the Ring. Frodo sells it to her before he leaves. Okay. And so it's not vacant while when he goes off on his That's correct. Journey. That's that's a big difference between the books and the movies. Mm -hmm. Um is that in the movies it's it's Gandalf comes back into town looking very terrified and he puts the fear of the Lord into Frodo and he leaves like that night. Yeah. Whereas in book canon, Frodo spends the next five months getting his affairs in order. It makes a little bit more sense. And, and kind of putting together a ruse to make it look as though he hasn't just disappeared. So that doesn't, Which nobody <laughs> who comes through the Shire gets suspicious of why he is just up and left. Literally the opposite of what Bilbo does, which is intentionally look like he just disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> In Bilbo's defense, he doesn't know that anything spooky is going on. Yeah. <laughs> he just is having fun. <laughs> He's just being a little shady man. Um, so after everything is said and done, she does give Bag End back to Frodo. Okay. He, Out of the goodness of her heart? She After the War of the Ring and the Scouring of the Shire, she just wants to go back to Hardbottle and be with her family. Oh, there was some shit that went down yes that's another big difference between the books and the movies is that in the movies you come back home and everything is pristine it's all waiting the same. for you nothing it was untouched whereas in book canon uh like some stuff that Sauron had put into motion like a bunch of people in the shire were enslaved and they were using them for hard labor 
it's and like they the, cut down the party tree and stuff. Like the vision that... That's uh, exactly what it is. Okay. That, I think Sam has that vision or is it Frodo? Frodo has it. Sam's in the vision of yes. like Sam being enslaved while they're in like Lothlorien. Yes. And he like looks into that like pool. The mirror. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're absolutely right that... But in the movie, it kind of looks more like an omen. Like this may happen if you don't complete your quest. Right. I think that it was a narrative choice that the movie's made mm-hmm. to, to say like home will be waiting for you yeah it's definitely a lot more hopeful of a message yeah. than you go home and your friends and family are enslaved the, the town is raised you have to create an uprising after you just got home from a volcano yeah <laughs> holy cow yeah, yeah. that's too much <laughs> it's too much <laughs> that's too much man so <laughs> so after that um lobelia just wants to go be with her ancestral family move away with her son and she gives beg end back to frodo she's she like does... there's more important things <laughs> exactly than me just like hoarding this home <laughs> she does also when she dies she leaves everything in her will to Frodo and tells him to use it to help hobbits who were hurt or left homeless during the scouring of the Shire. There's something that I like about that because it was a little bit frustrating in the movies that nobody knew (laughs) all of this shit that the four hobbits went through. And they're so like, uh, I don't ungrateful is not the right term but they're more just, just unaware unaware yeah, yeah they're just ignorant to it so it's just like life goes on and it's just like <laughs> oh okay yeah all that that whole year and a half of my life <laughs> yeah the hobbits just roll up into town with like their yeah. very fine garb on their nice ponies yeah and they're just like Psh, bougie <laughs> bougie fucks um so yeah i guess in in the book version it's like a little bit more satisfying to me just knowing that there's some appreciation for like what everybody went through and like Lobelia is like, okay, certainly. I'm, I'm sorry. You can have this. You've been through a lot. Yeah. There's, there's also an element of like proving yourself to your hometown. Like, yeah. They're, they're heroes on a global scale. Every man in Minas Tirith bows down to the hobbits, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just business at norm, business as normal back in the Shire. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So it's a difference, but mm-hmm. it is not better either way (laughs) correct neither is more correct (laughs) all right so where are frodo's parents um how long has bilbo been raising him frodo's parents drogo baggins who i think is bilbo's cal drogo baggins cal drogo baggins yes yes. and (laughs) primula brandybuck who is i think one of mary's aunts right that makes sense yes mary Brandy book. Mm-hmm. They die in a tragic boating accident. No, the, it's just like Frozen. I know. It's exactly like Frozen. <laughs> the Brandy books are kind of, they're a little looked on as being strange in the Shire because they're the only hobbits who like swimming. Oh. <laughs> Everybody else has a good, healthy fear of water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, in this case, it claimed Frodo's parents when he was 12. Then at that point, he goes to live at Brandy Hall with a bunch of other Brandy Bucks, and he's raised by his mother's family. Then when he's 19, Bilbo adopts him as his heir and moves him into Bag End. Okay. So I'm assuming that long before this, they had a pretty close relationship. I would think so. For him to have looked at him like a son. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's party time. <laughs> So, 
It's all fun and games until uh, Fireworks Dragon is released and mm-hmm. wreaks havoc on the party, and they're all dumb and think that it's a real dragon. <laughs> <laughs> if you had never seen a, a Fireworks Dragon or a real dragon, I mean, I think it speaks to Gandalf's skill as a fireworks <laughs> It's not actually a wizard. That's, that's all fireworks. Uh, so here comes the question that we've all been wondering this entire time. Is Longbottom Leaf weed or is it tobacco? Is it a hybrid? What is it? I am sorry to dash everyone's hopes and tell you that it is tobacco. In the prologue to Lord of the Rings, in the section concerning pipeweed, Tolkien says that it is probably a variety of Nicotiana. So, but in the movies, it was pretty clear <laughs> at several points that they were getting high. Was it? Explain. There is the part. Um, I mean, maybe they're just drunk, but they they look like they acted high. Are it you was... thinking about when they're looking over Bilbo's party, or when Merry and Pippin are outside the ruins of Isengard? That one. Okay. <laughs> Where they're all they're they're both just like laughing like crazy, yeah. and it's just like they're laughing while like a big cloud of smoke is coming out of the enclosure <laughs> that they're sitting in. It's clear to me what Peter Jackson was trying yeah. to put across. <laughs> it makes sense to me that since Mary and Pippin are already kind of the comic relief they're, hobbits they're in the stoners. movies. <laughs> they're the Cheech and Chong. Let's just movie. do a quick weed joke. <laughs> yeah. All right. At least in book canon, it's, it's tobacco. tobacco. Movie mm-hmm. canon, it's weed. Or it's like a pretty like weak strain. Or yeah, I was, I was thinking that myself. It's kind of both. It's like 1970s weed. Uh, I made a note that just says Gandalf giggling as he grabs fireworks. It's just cute. <laughs> he's like, he like goes to the wagon and he grabs some more fireworks. He's like, <laughs> he's so pleased with himself. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I can't read my own handwriting. Oh, that's the, that's 111, not ill. <laughs> uh, is 111 really old what is the average life expectancy of a hobbit 111 is definitely very old for a hobbit they they usually live to be about 100 on the outside mm-hmm. that it would be it's like a um it's an achievement for a hobbit to live to be 100 years old okay. so for bilbo to make it to 111 is definitely worth celebrating especially because he's not it's slowing down yeah <laughs> he's he's 111 and he's still gambles around like a 50 year old so same as us as people essentially like 100 is a pretty big deal yes and that brings me to my next question which is how does bilbo explain his absurdly old age versus young (laughs) looks because just think about that like if it was like a human being who is 111 and they look like they're maybe pushing 60 keanu reeves Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, People in the Shire are very unnerved by how Bilbo looks in his old age. Yeah, it's upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) I've said a couple times that if Peter Jackson had had the gift of foresight in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, he might have cast Martin Freeman to play Bilbo for just that Mm. first scene at his his birthday party. Yeah. Um, He... Bilbo hasn't physically aged in the 60 years since he picked up the ring, and his agelessness is very uncanny and freaks people out in the Shire. Um, What they say in the book is, at 90, he was much the same as 50. At 99, they began to call him well-preserved, but unchanged would have been nearer the mark. So he, in the movie, it's not 
a really accurate representation of like his age because he is actually appears a lot older in the movie than he does in even the flashback to him coming across the ring yeah like his hair is whiter he's a little older Mm -hmm. yes in movie canon he definitely has aged a bit yeah yeah but in the book it would be more like if martin freeman was like that's crazy because it's like the same age as Frodo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is actually. We'll get back to that later. When Frodo leaves on his adventure, he is also 50, the same age that Bilbo was when oh. he left on his adventure. Gotcha. Okay. When, when Frodo has the ring and he also doesn't age, people <laughs> begin to notice that he shows signs of, quote unquote, good preservation. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they mostly just say, some people have all the luck. <laughs> It must be Bag End. Yeah. Maybe it's Bag End. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, I also wanted to break down the part of his speech that he gives. Yeah, let's do it. I don't know. Half of you, half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of... Wait, I'm sorry. Let me, <laughs> let me just... I think right, just take it real end. fast and steamroll through it. I don't know, half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. So I had to really sit with this. (laughs) uh, It's very confusing. Mm -hmm. But what I got from it is, I wish I knew a lot of you better. And as for a few of you, I don't appreciate you enough. Yes. Is that what it means? No. No. (laughs) Damn. You you nailed it with the first half. Okay. But I believe the second half, I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. I think... I, he says, I like you less than you deserve. Right, which is the same as saying I don't appreciate you oh, enough. Yeah, right? I'm going to cut out me disagreeing with you. <laughs> I've always thought of it as being very shady because that's just what I picture Bilbo as. But I think you're right. that I like less than half of you, half as well as you deserve. So I don't appreciate you enough. I still feel like he's saying I don't like you. <laughs> he is also saying I, he's admitting ah, okay. that he doesn't like you, but also kind of saying like you probably don't deserve that. <laughs> and I'm admitting that I'm being crotchety. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'll go with that. Yeah. That's pretty self-aware. All right. So I'm glad we got that figured Yo, out. <laughs> I'm glad that I totally knew what we were talking about the whole time. I don't think that... I necessarily have more questions about this particular part, but I do have a commentary to make. Is that it is just a very badass way to leave. Mm -hmm. To most of them, that is really the last time that they saw Bilbo, was him disappearing before their very eyes. Like, to us as the audience, it's like, ha, 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 that's just the magic of the ring. We see him again a second later. Especially you see his footprints, like, immediately. Yeah, (laughs) but, like, for them... Like, they'll be talking about that for generations. Like, there was this guy who lived here, and he went off, fought a dragon, hoarded a ton of gold. He had a really dope house and wouldn't let anybody have it. (laughs) And then he also did not age for, like, 70 years, and then he disappeared before my very eyes. Mm -hmm. I never saw him again. Like, that's legend status. Yeah, absolutely. I think in the books they say that they, they talk about it for a year and a day in the Shire. So, like, was he trying to become a legend or was he really just messing around and he didn't really think about any long term? I think the second one. I don't think he was trying to increase his notoriety because he certainly had enough of that yeah. after his journey to Erebor. I think he was just trying to have fun. Right. He's 111. <laughs> you got to make your own fun. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we got 
a listener question, which is very exciting to me. I'm so glad that we have participation. (laughs) So would like to encourage more of that. If you have any questions about anything that we've brought up or anything that you've been wondering yourself as you've watched the movies, please feel free to um, send us some questions. Can you remind me where we are sending questions? Speakfriendpod at Gmail or at the show at Speakfriendpod on Twitter or at Ask Istwin on my Twitter. So we got a question from our friend Maddie at Maddie Larkspur on Twitter said, a question I get asked every time I watch Lord of the Rings with friends. Why does Sauron reach towards Isildur during the prologue rather than just smacking him with his big mace, thus giving Isildur the opportunity to chop his finger and the ring off? Such a good question. (laughs) It's something that you don't really think about until until you think too hard about that scene and you're like, wait. Why did he do that? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thank you for pointing that out because I never thought it's, about you idiot. Sarah is such an idiot. <laughs> I'm also really grateful for this question because uh, it's it's a very interesting answer and I was very happy to research it. So explaining how this scene goes in book canon will help explain this weird move they made in movie canon. Mm-hmm. In the book, Sauron is fleeing the siege of Barad-dûr, which had been going on for seven years on his nasty pointy tower but he is intercepted on the slopes of mount doom by a small force of men and elves that includes isildur and his father elendil elrond kirdan the shipwright who's our new favorite elf mm-hmm. and the elf king gilgalad they all get in a big fight and they wound each other very badly during this fight sauron gets inside gilgalad's spear reach and strangles him to death mm. although isildur's journal says that the heat of sauron's hand is what killed him it was black and yet burned like fire and so gilgalad was destroyed when Sauron is killing Gilgalad, Elendil mortally wounds Sauron. Then Elendil is either wounded again or he succumbs to wounds that he's already sustained. And either way, he falls and Narsil breaks underneath him. Mm-hmm. At this point, Gilgalad and Elendil are dead and Sauron is dying. Isildur then takes up the hilt of Narsil and cuts the ring from Sauron's hand. In one of Tolkien's letters, he says, Isildur, Elendil's son, cuts the ring from Sauron's hand and his power departs and his spirit flees into the shadows. So it's, (laughs) he's not so much like reaching for him in a very ominous and leaving him open for attack way. Sauron is dying. It's, it. It wasn't clear in the movie that he was dying. I don't believe it was in movie canon. Okay. In 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 movie canon, this battle scene is mostly cut, and Gilgalad exists in the theatrical version in kind of a blink and you'll miss it way. He's not named, and no focus is given to him, but he's credited as Gilgalad, um, probably to avoid confusing the audience by introducing a new character only to kill him when yeah. they're already doing that with Elendil and Isildur. Yeah, it's a lot of characters to introduce in like a five minute monologue. Yeah, absolutely. There, There is concept art from the book Art of Fellowship of the Ring that shows Sauron lifting Gilgalad up by the throat and burning him. Hmm. So my theory is that the movie would have originally shown that and then he'd be reaching for Isildur to get him next. And then he would have done the old chop-chop. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Yeah. So hopefully that helps. 
I love you, Maddie. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. I'd like to give a truly heartfelt thanks to Kai, who gave us a five-star rating and wrote, I love this podcast so much already. It's lore-heavy, but in a very digestible and fun way. Audrey and Leah are both very lovely with a great dynamic, and I look forward to each episode. Although I take umbrage with Audrey's name coming first because I'm the older sister, I can't thank you enough for writing such a sweet review. If you have a Lord of the Rings question you'd like us to discuss on the show, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can check us out on Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff. My personal Twitter is at askistwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N, and Audrey is too cool for social media, but if you leave a bowl of soup on your front porch overnight, she will eat it. We'll have another deep lore episode up for you mega nerds next week, and after that, Audrey and I will discuss burning questions like, why is Bilbo so chill when he wears the ring? How far is it from Bag End to Rivendell? And just how complex is Hobbit genealogy? Until next time, Muhu Torgizu Turugoskin. May your beard continue to grow. <laughs>